I've always been a positive person and I knew I was going to get through this. I just didn't know if my faith was going to get through it because whatever I had felt connected with God was just gone. Do you need a spiritual spark? Are you feeling run down or run over? Are you ready to eliminate the spiritual ups and downs? This is Fresh Faith in Real Life. Let's restore life in your walk with Christ. We'll dive into our featured guest interviews, biblical devotional thoughts, answers to your questions, and more. Your walk with Christ isn't meant to be a performance. It's all about relationship. Let's get to know Jesus and experience fresh faith in real life. Here's John Fugler. Welcome to episode number 19, and here's what's coming up. Taking your prayer life to the deepest level ever. Jesus prays for you. How a longtime Christian discovered what he was missing in his relationship with Jesus. And the story of how being a faithful friend resulted in the friend's salvation. This is Fresh Faith in Real Life, a ministry of Fresh Faith 24-7. I'm John Fugler on the exit ramp of the Performance Christianity Highway. I'm the author of a devotional series called Your Life with God. I'm a husband, father, and grandfather of eight, and most importantly, I want to know Jesus more each day. Paul said, what is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. You find that in Philippians 3.8. I'm also the CEO of Fresh Faith 24-7, where we lead you on a path to freedom in your walk with Christ. And welcome to the Soundproof Studios of Fresh Faith in Real Life. And if you hear my neighbor cutting the lawn, then you know, <laughs> it's not really soundproof here. Anyway, we're going to go on. <laughs> hey, it's about prayer today. And Corey Tenboom once said, is prayer your steering wheel or your spare tire? Think about that for a second. Is prayer your steering wheel or your spare tire? That might hit home for many of us. We, we know prayer isn't just for emergencies, but we can treat it that way. I think we all wish we could have a better prayer life. I know I wish I had one. And on this episode, you'll meet a guest who will open up the world of prayer to us. I could have talked with him for two hours, but I didn't. <laughs> his entire life is different because he made a change in his prayer life. Brian Russell, he'll pull back the curtain and share how his relationship with Christ has become more intimate. It's become more transparent and more joyful. I hope we can learn something from him. Now, last week, Jamie Moore talked to us about friendship with God, and I think this week's episode is kind of a cousin to that. Make sure you listen to episode number 18 last week if you hadn't already. Uh, Jamie, in fact, made this statement. Some of what changed for me is I got to get around other people that understood friendship with God. And there's something about being around someone else that's on fire for the Lord. Uh, A.W. Tozer has been a, a big influence in my life. And he would call these people the fellowship of the burning heart. Mm. And then when you get around them, their heart is so on fire for Jesus. You start to get all, you know, you get worked up and warmed up yourself. So I think part of it was I would see other people in their relationship with the Lord. And, and they were describing intimacy and friendship with the Lord in a way that I didn't understand. So it's probably a little bit of holy jealousy in that, you know, I'm like, Hey, if this person is experiencing that, I, I want to experience that as well. And I think also just the goodness of the father to continually and faithfully say to me, I love you. That's episode number 18 with Jamie Moore. 
Getting back to the topic of prayer, Billy Graham said something that ties into the Corey Ten Boom quote that I read earlier. Billy said this, We are to pray in times of adversity, lest we become faithless and unbelieving. We are to pray in times of prosperity, lest we become boastful and proud. We are to pray in times of danger, lest we become fearful and doubting. We are to pray in times of security, lest we become self-sufficient. If you have your favorite prayer quote, then go ahead and share it with me. I'll share it with our audience. My email address, it's, it's in the show notes, john at freshfaith247.com if you don't want to dig through the show notes. In our Fresh Bread segment today, we'll, we'll see what the Bible says about prayer, okay? There's a great way to kick off your morning prayer session with God, and that's with my Fresh Bread for Fresh Faith email devotion. Three times a week, I deliver the sweet aroma of fresh bread to your inbox. It's quick, it's to the point, and it gets you going for your day. And for you to get it, just click the link in the show notes or go to freshfaith247.com and click Fresh Bread in the menu. You can't miss it. This free Devo will hit your mailbox early in the morning. It'll spark your day in prayer and in the Word. It's just a 60-second read that focuses you on the Lord. Speaking of fresh bread, let's get into our fresh bread segment today. Hey, I'll pray for you, he said to me. In the back of my mind, I wondered if he really would. <laughs> on the flip side, I emailed a friend last week and said I'd pray for his mom who was having heart surgery. And when I saw my friend a few days later, I asked him how his mom's hip surgery was. Oops. <laughs> I'm sure you've been on the receiving and giving ends of insincere offers for prayer. I'll pray for you is the Christian thing to say. Actually, praying is the Christian thing to do. Jesus is praying for you. Jesus is praying for you. Romans 8.34 says this, Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Hebrews 7.25, therefore he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. That should encourage the socks off of us. You don't have to worry when a friend isn't faithful in prayer because Jesus is faithful. He's constantly praying for you. He's praying for you right now. What is it that you need prayer for? Jesus knows it already. He is at this moment at the throne of the Father praying for you. Are you seeking God's direction? Jesus is praying about that. Are you in pain? Jesus is bringing that pain to his Father. Are you looking for work? Jesus knows it. He's seeking the Father on your behalf. Are you stressed? Jesus is praying to the Father for your inner peace. You have the Savior on your side praying to God the Father, who's also on your side. It's an unbeatable combination. When you bring your prayer needs before the Father, Jesus is echoing those prayers to God too. He might be phrasing them differently because he knows what's best for you, but it's an even greater benefit. And when you're in so much pain and you don't know what to pray, God has sent his Holy Spirit to pray the words for you. Romans 8, 26, when we do not know what to pray for as we ought, the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. That is reassuring. So be encouraged today to know that you're covered in prayer by Jesus 
and the Holy Spirit. And that's good news. Our guest this week is someone whose relationship with God has been transformed by approaching prayer in a different way. He's a longtime believer who was missing something in his relationship with Jesus. And as he'll share, his life came crashing down over a decade ago and exposed some devastating weaknesses. He knew Christ, sure, but nothing compared to where he is today. And he'll talk to us about centering prayer, centering prayer. He practiced it and journaled it for years. And and then his journal became a book. How about that? And we'll talk about it too. Something else about Brian. He's a professor of biblical studies at Asbury Theological Seminary. And, And you'd think someone who's teaching in a seminary would have it all together when it comes to prayer. Well, Brian is the first to say that he was really missing something. Let's go on his life journey with him. Here's my conversation with Dr. Brian Russell. Brian, thank you for joining us. It's my my pleasure, John. Thank you. And thanks everybody listening today. I'm really happy to be here. You met Jesus in a new way at a, a crisis point in your life. T- tell us about that. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, because um, I've been a I've been a, a Christian essentially almost as long as I can remember, um, like maybe five years old or six years old. And Grew up um, making multiple commitments to Jesus, went into ministry, became a seminary professor. Uh, but in 2010, all that got flipped on its head. I'd been married at that time um, for, for 20 years. And I mean, I literally almost um, probably maybe looking back, maybe I should have seen something happening, but I didn't. And then next thing I know, I'm, I like to say, suddenly single. Um, I have to be a single father. Basically, I take care of my two daughters by myself. And that essentially sent me into uh, a faith crisis. You know, you may call it, look back and say it was a dark night of the soul, but again, this was uh, you know, a relational disaster that then challenged me on who I was. I was an ordained pastor, a seminary professor, still am, but I mean, those were the things I was like, how do I go on in ministry? Am I going to lose my children? Am I going to lose my job? Am I going to still be a pastor? Will I have any ministry long-term? So all that stuff was just kind of crushing beyond just the fact that I went through a, a really difficult uh, divorce in and of itself. And in the middle of all that, again, I didn't feel anything. Um, I, for, I actually had trouble singing songs in church for several years, even after the event. Um, I was unconsolable. I mean, I, I teach pastors how to read the Bible. And so just having more Bible in my life wasn't really doing anything. It wasn't like I was immune to it, but it's like, I knew all the verses I would have told somebody to read and they weren't doing anything for me. My pastor friends and grateful have tons of pastor friends. Um, but they really, other than just being with me and hanging out, the, none of the theology stuff was penetrating, um, for, for various reasons. And then, Essentially, I take a walk one day and all of a sudden everything gets super quiet and I just realized um, how massively distracted I'd been stuck in my head. And I just had this moment of, um, I guess I would say, real deep contemplation while I was walking in nature. Everything got super quiet and I just had this real sense that uh, um, God was still with me and that God was going to be enough. And that was a really strange experience. I've had plenty of religious experiences, but in that moment, I really needed that. And it was different because it was super quiet and I wasn't in like a revival service or a prayer meeting or the sort of places where I had experienced really powerful 
acts of God before I was just walking in solitude, essentially. And so what I immediately did is I thought, wow, how can I process this? And again, sometimes they have that saying when the student's ready, the teacher appears. One of my colleagues said, hey, um, you might want to try this centering prayer stuff out. And so like right after I'd had this contemplative moment, I got introduced to a whole side of spiritual formation that for various reasons I was completely ignorant of. And so I discovered the silence at exactly the right time. And the better story here is not that I just found silence is that in the silence, God really connected me with an an even deeper way than I'd previously experienced. And essentially that's what um, rekindled my faith. And I've been practicing both kind of spiritual journaling and centering prayer for basically since 2010. And uh, that continues to be a a big, huge piece of my life. And so that's, that's, that's the testimony. So I learned this and uh, I got, I, I found out about centering prayer at the exact moment that my soul desperately needed something. Well, and we want to dig into that. Just hearing your story, uh, it sounds like you were just in despair. Uh, Was it depression? Was it well, it was all those things. That was the other ironic thing, you know, as a, as a, even a pastor, I kind of knew what grief was. I knew how to talk people through all the stuff. So it's almost like I'm watching myself go through all the stuff I'd read about and I'd seen other people. And now I got it from the inside. It wasn't, well, I mean, it was all those things. I think it was mostly super high anxiety because I've always been a positive person and I knew I was going to get through this. Um, I just didn't know if my faith was going to get through it because I didn't feel whatever I had felt connected with God was just gone. So it was pure silence and just anxiety was just looping through my head. And so I just felt cut off from, um, from my faith. And so that, that's what I was really struggling with um, uh, in just one and then trying to process I guess the guilt, shame, and fear that comes with being in this kind of a crisis, you know, wondering, will I have a ministry long-term since that had essentially been my identity, um, which was my mistake. And maybe we can get into that. But ultimately what I did is I found my true identity, which is in Jesus Christ being a person loved by God. And then all those other things that I do flow out of that. And those are roles. Those aren't my identity. So that was my mistake in misaligning my role with my identity is what set me up to take such a massive hit when the bad stuff actually hit me, I would say. So Brian, how would you describe your prayer life before that crisis? I mean, what was it like? (laughs) Yeah, well, um, it was, um, what was different than it is now. And I, and obviously I spend a lot of time in prayer now. I mean, before that I, I prayed, multiple times a day. You know, I always prayed for meals. Um, I had morning prayer. Um, You know, I would think I would say little prayers during the day. I would use uh, written prayers and also extemporaneous prayers. So I would say I had a decent prayer life. Mm -hmm. I never considered myself a prayer warrior, um, but I did spend, I would say, a fair amount of time in prayer, both with myself, with my family, and with um, you know, with students. And like, even to this day, I used to write when my kids, even when they were little, when they would have um, sleepovers, they'd go stay at somebody else's house. I would write a prayer for them and stick it in their bag. So they'd even have a prayer with their dad before they went to sleep. And even and when I traveled, so I did, I prayed a lot. It was just, 
not silent prayer. Mm. So here's here's somebody who's strong in the faith, uh, a good prayer life. That sounds good. I mean, I love what you what you shared there, and a man who's in the Word, and yet your everything was just ripped out from underneath. Yeah, that's that's exactly what I would say. So I just had a, a complete uh, emptying of my soul and just felt um, you know completely lost because I couldn't process. Um, the divorce piece theologically in my brain, it just wasn't supposed to happen. And now, and it did. So what was I supposed to do with that? Mm -hmm. How would you say your prayer life is, is healthier now? Yeah, well, I think it's healthier now. I still do pray with my kids. They're grown up now. They're in their twenties. And I'm glad to say that all my fears from all those years ago is, you know, my daughter's one of them is about 15 feet away from me right now, and she's in graduate school. So they, they, my girls are managed to do okay, ultimately. Um, still pray for them. Um, I would say I actually pray more along the lines that I used to, but then what I've added is, uh, at, I mean, and I'm, I'm on the last three months, I've really ramped up my centering prayer even more. So I'm probably sitting in silence. I always do 20 minutes every morning with my wife within I'm remarried. So within say 15 minutes of being awake, we do centering prayer together every single day. And we've been doing that ever since the, basically the pandemic, she lost her job. And so we've been both working out of the house. So it's made that super easy and our kids are growing up and that makes it easier on parents too to pray together. So I do 20 minutes in the morning and then I'm doing five minute prayer breaks of silence and sometimes even another 20 minutes at different times during the day. So I probably spend, and again, I don't, this isn't a boast, but I'm going to guess, you know, 45 minutes to an hour, almost every day in silence right. um, over the last, um, that's true for the last three months, but 20 minutes or so for years. And then in different days, it would be more, but I've, I've spent a lot of time in, in silence. And I do the prayer of examine, which is kind of a journaling version of prayer for probably, you know, another 10 minutes every day. So those, those have been real blessings. I want to get into that too. And I'm just thinking our listeners will listen to this go, wow. 45 minutes of silence, 20 minutes here, five minutes there. That sounds awful. How do you silence? What do you do in that time? So um, yeah. I'm just, I'm just saying what they're thinking. So listeners hang with us because Brian's going to share some things with yeah. us about how valuable that is and, and exactly what happens in that time. But let me ask before we go there is you talk about centering prayer. Yeah. How has it changed your life? Yeah. And this, that's the thing when people say, Jesus guy sits in silence, that would have been the last thing I would have ever imagined that I would have done because I would say I was probably wound as tight as anybody you would have ever met, massively motivated and always stuck in my head all day thinking constantly. And in some ways, I mean, that helped me, that helped me achieve academically. It's helped me to focus on a lot of things. Um, and so when I, with the sit in silence almost sounds preposterous, um, because I couldn't have ever imagined that I would have enjoyed that because when I started, and I'll just give an early, it felt like one minute seemed like a year. It was so difficult just to, to quiet. So how it's changed me is uh, when you sit in silence, this is the part, I'll, I'll start with the scary part first, and then we'll go to the positive <laughs> ones because I, because I, this is this, when I wrote the book, I wrote the book because um 
it was, it was, I actually wrote the book kind of as uh, I was just trying to process my own life. I didn't necessarily even intend to write a book. And that really is the truth. This book just kind of came out so of me. So we're reading your journal, huh? Almost. Yeah. I, I literally sat down and was just like, you know, this has been, I got to write, figure out what happened. And so I just started writing almost like little blog, like chunks. And then, so some of the chapters are really short and you can almost see that would have been like one sitting that I did something. And, some and of the I like that. Were, That's a good feature. Yeah. Listeners, yeah. short chapters, even you yeah. can do it, read it. <laughs> no, it's really true. I wrote it. So, so that, so you're kind of reading me, me piecing my journal back together and then re putting it together as a manuscript. But I was trying to, what I, um, I didn't know what was going to happen to me. Um, and so I thought I was just trying to find a way to re experience that moment of quiet that I had had on the walk. But this, the interesting thing that happens in silence is silence is purifying uh, and that's what surprised me. And that's where the ultimate blessing comes from. I mean, the ultimate blessing is actually sitting in silence with God, period. That's the whole goal of this. And so when we talk about how it changes you, that's kind of the secondary effect. The goal is just to be with God. But the fact that you're with God in silence, what happens is essentially the good parts of yourself and the hurt parts of yourself, you might even say the sinful parts of yourself or the shamed parts, the guilt, all that stuff that's mixed up, our wounds, our brokenness, that comes up in your thoughts when you're in silence. And you're not always even aware of how much pain you have on the inside of yourself. Because I've been a Christian my whole life and you know I knew what forgiveness was, but I still had all this stuff that was bound up on the inside. And then in the silence, you can't hide from who you really are. And so the stuff starts floating up into your, um, your mind, and those are the thoughts. And my, your tendency is to jam them back down and hide, just like Adam and Eve did in the garden. You know, God knows where they are, but you know, they're hiding behind a tree. And our tendency is to hide the hurt parts of ourselves from God. But in silent prayer, you're there with the Lord. As soon as I realize, like, wow, this stuff I'm thinking about, God knows it's in there. And so what that God's that God gives us the gift of giving it to him really as worship almost. I'm going to give you anything, Lord, the best parts of myself, the worst parts I'm going to offer up to you. And that's where the centering prayer word comes. And I'm just surrendering and returning back to silence. And so the benefit of that is you discover that God loves you. If you don't know, I mean, I think we all know that in our mind and we hear it, but you actually experience it in your whole body, again, not every single time, but from time to time, it's almost like you literally, with apart from words and thoughts, this is what contemplative prayer ultimately is. Centering prayer is a way to move into that. You encounter something of God as God, and it's pure love, and unconditional love is what you run into. And you can't be the same when that happens, when you realize that you're unconditionally accepted, even with the junk that's been churning up in your head. Like, you know, for example, in the book, I'm pretty candid about it. Um, but, you know, when I first started sitting in silence, I was just ticked off and I was just having all this, these, these angry thoughts floating around in my head. And then sometimes they'd be interspersed with just like sexual thoughts. And I was thinking like, what is wrong with me? Um, and then I thought, well, geez, I'm with God. Okay, God isn't like, you know, hitting with a lightning bolt for these thoughts. I just need to give it to him. And then, you know, in my research, I found out 
see, I thought something was wrong with me and I was doing it wrong, but that's when I started doing research. And I found out that anybody that sits in silence, even the people in the early church that became the desert fathers and mothers, they left everything behind to be with Jesus. And then they found out the world hadn't left them behind because it was inside of them and they needed to be purified. So that's the scary and powerful benefit of this. Well, I, when I yeah. uh, went through those chapters and, and you talked about that towards the beginning of the book, then later on, you talked about what do we do with these thoughts, the evil thoughts, the, the, the sin, you know, it's like, and, the, and you talk about shame and what do we do? Do we suppress them? And you say, no, let them go and talk to God, release them to God. And that hit me. We're always on the move and we chase those. We don't allow those thoughts to remain in our minds very long. We're always on the move. So when we stop and silence and wait before the Lord, it's no wonder those come up and we, we get scared. We almost run away from them or suppress them. So I, I get that. I get yeah. that. Uh, so we're talking about centering prayer. We talk about silence. Maybe take us through what, um, what is this all about? Because when people talk about meditation or contemplative prayer or centering prayer, as you call it, and you just pointed out contemplative prayer and centering prayer are different. And I, I didn't know that. So I'm learning as we go along here. Immediately we think about, well, Eastern mysticism and, you know, we're into the new age and all that kind of thing. And we're kind of afraid of it, but it clearly in your book, you're, you're coming back to Jesus all the time, all the time. And it's not that. And people ask themselves, well, I don't know if I want to do this. Is it really biblical? How how do you answer that? Yeah. And I I think it's a great question. And, uh, uh, and the key is, it's, it's our, the intention is to be with the God who loves us, the God who's revealed himself in Jesus Christ uh, through the power of the spirit. So that's, that's the key thing is the intentionality. So is it, is it biblical? Um, If you're going to look for a text that says, you know, sit in silence and do these steps, there is no text that does that. So we have to be that upfront. Now, throughout the history of the tradition of the church, people have looked at texts like Psalm 46, be still and know that I'm God. Um, I think a powerful text is the um, Elijah text when he goes back to Mount Horeb, where he thinks he's the only one. It's um, 1 Kings um, 19, and it says that God um, isn't, in a, isn't in the wind. He isn't in the, um, um, an earthquake. He isn't in the fire. And then there's a sound of utter silence, and Elijah hears God in that. There's a, oftentimes that's kind of mistranslated, um, a, a still small voice, but it's actually utter silence. So that's probably the closest place of a text where you have someone encountering God in pure silence. Um, I think of I Jesus, though, in the Garden of Gethsemane. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he was there with the Lord speaking to him, and he had thoughts of disobedience to God. Yeah, you know, yeah. take this cup for me. That was honest, and it was just yeah. Jesus and and the Father in that time of prayer. And I'm, um, boy, what a what a connection there. So I don't know if that fits into this or not. Well, I think it does. I mean, Jesus. That's what I was going to get to. I mean, I was, there's these texts with silence, specifically like from the Old Testament, and then some of the Psalms. Lord, come and be with me. And a lot of the Psalms kind of assume that God may be absent, and they're asking God to be with them. But then, obviously. The life of Jesus models that. Now, do we know? We know a lot of Jesus's prayers that we hear have words attached to them, but is it conceivable that Jesus just went and sat in silence with God? We know that he always went to solitary places 
to be with God alone. So we can't, we do know that. And so I would say centering prayer is biblical, um, but there's not, you know, the instructions that we use. It's easier to say, hey, go look, pray the Lord's Prayer. There's this text that you can read or, you know, pray through the Psalms. Um, but it's biblical in the sense that there's nothing in the centering prayer itself that is unbiblical. I tell people I'm a recovering performaholic for Jesus. And so I, I, I had too much of this step-by-step stuff, you know, yeah. in my Christian life and it, it didn't work. All it did was create this shell that I thought was relationship and the relationship was, was caving in. Uh, and so that's why I'm attracted to this because it goes right to the core yeah, of our yeah. relationship with God. So centering prayer, we've talked about it. We've um, talked about some of the benefits, talked around it a little bit, but let's dive in. Brian, take us into centering yeah. prayer so our listeners can understand and practice it. Yeah. And, and let me just make a distinction that, that you mentioned. I think I did it already. Um, centering prayer and contemplative prayer. Um, centering prayer is a prayer technique. Um, contemplative prayer is when God gives us the gift of his presence. Mm-hmm. And so centering prayer is our side of that, preparing ourselves for contemplation, which doesn't always happen. I mean, that's what I have to have to say. A lot of times we're just going to be sitting in silence and releasing thoughts. And sometimes we're so distracted, we probably don't hear God. So I don't want to give people, this isn't like a technique to manipulate God into hanging out with us. It's super important to say it like that. It's, um, it's our coming to God, open-handed, surrendering ourselves, even our thoughts. More coming up with Brian. Thought we'd take a quick breather here. He's about to get into how specifically to practice centering prayer. So we'll get right back into that. Speaking of prayer, I'd like to just remind you that if you would like the Fresh Bread for Fresh Faith devotional, I deliver it three times a week, Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays, early in the morning, right into your inbox, and help you get started on your time with the Lord in the morning. Go ahead and sign up for it at freshfaith247.com, and you click on Fresh Bread in the menu, or you can just click on the link in the show notes. Ready to get back into our interview with Brian? I really hope you're seeing this not as, as he said, it's not a technique and it's not a formula, but it's all about our relationship with Jesus. And this just helps you enter into that relationship more deeply. So keep that in mind. As we get in now to how to practice centering prayer, keep in mind, it's all about relationships. Let's get back to that interview. How do we um, do centering prayer? It's really simple, though. You have to practice, <laughs> have to practice it. I mean, I, I would say, you know, you want to find a quiet place to do it because if there's a lot of sounds, it'll be distracting. You know, you may even need to put on like some white noise, a similar kind of a sound, just so you have a place where you're not going to constantly being stimulated by external noises. So that, that's important. But once you find that, it's, you know, pick a time. You know, I, you can get a timer on your phone. You can use, I use a Fitbit on Vibrate. Um, I do 20 minutes now, but I worked my way up to 20 minutes. Some people just go all the way in on 20. So you'll just have to experiment. But I would say, you know, at least try to start with maybe five minutes. So select a time and just own it. And what you're going to do is you're going to close your eyes to make sure your chair is comfortable or sit on the floor, but sit somewhere where you're comfortable. That's so important because you'll notice every ache in your body while you're, t- that'll be another <laughs> thing that distracts you. So try to find a comfy chair basically to, to do this in. Um, close your eyes and 
I always start my centering prayer with the Jesus prayer, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Where does that come from, that that prayer, just the yeah. history of that? Yeah, that that's an early church prayer. Like it goes back to maybe I'm not 100%. I think it's like fifth century, but it's from the Eastern. It would have been in Greek originally. It was from the Eastern side of the church. And that's been a rich prayer that pe- millions of Christians every single day prayer. Now, it's actually rooted in the um, prayer of the, um, the tax collector in the presence of mm-hmm. the Pharisee who beats his breast. Part of it is to have mercy on me, a sinner part is. And then um, the, they've attached Lord Jesus Christ to the front of that. So it's a biblical prayer. Right. And it's used in the East as a form of um, like throughout the day, you use that prayer to kind of resend yourself. I like that because I like old stuff. It, it connects me with Christians all over the world. But I just usually say that to start. I start my timer and then you close your eyes and you pick a prayer word or a sacred word. Um, I say that the, you should just use Jesus when you, because that's who we're praying to. You know, other people would just say use a two or three syllable word. That's how the teaching goes. So some people will say God or Father or you can have love or peace or Holy Spirit. I, you know, I think Jesus is a great place to start for most people just to remind ourselves that we're sitting with Jesus. And then you close your eyes. And then essentially the idea is, um, there's four R's, resist no thought, retain no thought, react to no thought, return, I say return to Jesus or return to your sacred word. So the idea is whenever you find yourself in the silence, enamored with a thought, and a thought can be a feeling, an old movie playing in your head, um, a literal thought, a stimulation in your body. So when I say thought, it's any kind of stimulation that distracts you. As soon as you realize you're distracted, you use the prayer word to just break up that thought enough to return to the silence. And so, you know, and, you know, most people are going to discover that, you know, that your brain is going to be cranking the whole time. So this, the goal of this isn't to become mindless or to stop yourself from thinking that is impossible. It's to be aware when you're thinking about something and then saying, I'm not going to let even this thought, no matter how beautiful it is, or even how ugly it is, or how mundane it is to distract me from my intention of sitting in silence with the God who loves me. So the prayer word is a means of just kind of punching a temporary hole in the hamster wheel that goes on inside it of our heads. It brings you back. It, yeah, it centers yeah. you, I guess you could say. Yeah, that, that's the whole, that's what it means. Centering prayer is we use a prayer word to recenter us on our intention to be with God. And you do that for however long your time is and you just honor the time. And so depending on the day, the time may go really fast or go really slow. And it kind of depends how distracted you are but you just keep returning to Jesus. There's no way to fail at this except not doing it because the worst thing that happens if you're like massively distracted is you just keep returning to Jesus, which is awesome. That's the whole point. And, uh, you know, and, and then when the time's over, I would say take a couple of extra deep breaths. And I like to just, I go into my regular prayer time at that point, you tell God what you're thankful for in groups off and end with the Lord's prayer. Um, and then, you know, then you just kind of come back into, um, your day. And then essentially you carry that ability to not be 
to recognize your distractedness into the day. And you can actually recenter when you're doing your job or like, you know, we're talking right now. So if I get distracted, I'm going to recenter so I can focus on, on you, John, when I'm talking to you, helps me to teach. You'll, you'll be able to carry that ability to surrender a thought so that you can pay attention to what's actually happening. And that's one of the missional benefits of centering prayer. This isn't just about me. It, it changes me so that when I go into the world, I can, uh, I can love my neighbor better. You, you said that in your own life, you were pretty, I guess, tense or anxious, or you're always moving and you were tight as a drum, I guess, is what you were talking yeah. about. And this has helped release you from that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I call, I call the, the struggle we have is with the unholy Trinity. It's um, fear, shame, and guilt. And those things, I think, wind us up pretty tight and uh, puts us in a position where um, like we, we're afraid there's not going to be enough. So I have to work even harder or I don't do enough or deep down in many of us are hurt enough that we just don't think we're good enough. And when you have that kind of what I would like, I think Zig Ziglar used to call it stinking thinking the old Christian uh, mm -hmm. motivational guy that slowly works against your own spiritual formation. And so what I've found is the centering prayer um, and I also say that journaling helps with this too. I've been able to release a lot of that stuff. And so I don't have to prove anything to anybody because I'm loved by God. And what that does, that doesn't mean I don't get stuff done like I used to. I just don't have, I'm not doing things for the wrong reason. I'm doing things out of love more and more. And so it's um, opened up a whole new world for me. And it allows me, you know, Bonhoeffer, I can't remember if it's Life Together or uh, his other book, but, you know, he, he has a section on silence and solitude. And then the very next section is the ministry of being interrupted. I would have been the person 12 years ago who did not want to be interrupted if I thought I was doing what God wanted me to do already. And what the centering prayer's done, it's made me realize it's like, I need to be interrupted whenever somebody else actually, you know, um, comes into my presence that needs a blessing or something in my life. So I need to not, not be so mission focused that I forget about the people that are around me and centering prayers done that for me. So I'm a better teacher than I ever was. Um, I think I'm a better husband. I'm a better father, a better friend, better listener. So we talked about the sacred word and yeah. you're sitting there, you have distractions that come in. So go back to your, your sacred word. What else takes place in your time of centering prayer? Well, what's fun is I'm like, I mentioned some of the, the hurt parts will come up. Now, the fun stuff is when you get really inspirational ideas, like, wow, I need to write this book or you get a new idea. And then it's getting the discipline to surrender those things to God too. Uh, with the idea that, again, I'm not even going to allow a great idea to distract me. I'm going to trust God by surrendering this, by going back to the sacred word. If I'm supposed to remember something, it'll come back to me later. So it's just a discipline of showing up, paying attention, and trusting that God has way more invested in what's going on than I do. And so just not letting anything distract me from being with the Lord. Hmm. Before we started recording, we, we both talked about uh, Philippians 3, yeah, your favorite chapter in the Bible. And I've got a couple of favorite verses, uh, Philippians 3, 8. In fact, I got them right here on the monitor in front of me, so oh, I can cool. never forget them. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. 
And then Paul put an exclamation point on that two verses later when he said, I want to know Christ. And that's what it's, what it comes down to as you think about your relationship with Jesus. And now as you, you know, Jesus better, is this centering prayer helped you? And, and how is your relationship with Christ different? Yeah, it's the, the relationship with Christ is different because I was personally, this is me, I've been freed from trying to prove that I was worthy of Christ's love, even though in my brain, I knew that that wasn't how it worked. It was by faith, but I still had this performance thing. And so what Centering Prayer demonstrated to me is that, um, or God is in the Centering Prayer in moments where it was really contemplative, was that I was 100% unconditionally accepted by Jesus, and I could feel it in my entire body, not just in my brain. And so that's what I would call knowing Jesus Christ. And so, yeah, I know that Jesus loves me and that we're in relationship. Now, again, I don't want people to hear this wrong. It doesn't mean that um, you know I can live my life any way that I want to, and that there's not a faithfulness that comes through this whole thing. But Centering Prayer is loud and clear, God giving me that unconditional yes, which makes me then want to live the way that Paul talks about in Philippians 3, which is I press on towards the goal to win the prize of the upward calling of God in Christ Jesus. But that's not a work now. That's just pure joy. Oh, there's so much more to this. And I'm glad you wrote the book. Thank you. Well, thank Jim. you. Well, you're welcome. I think yeah. I said to you, we got to let people know about this. This is, uh, we need to talk about this. I'm on the fir- the one yard line. I got a hundred yards to go to really work through this uh, centering prayer. But I know the times that I've practiced it, it's been good. And it's only a handful of times I- I'm learning, but there's something, uh, something cleansing about it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, that's we come into the presence of the holy God, and it's cleansing. Uh, there's something settling and peaceful, and and preparatory for the day for me. Any closing words? If you left our listeners with one thing for them to say, get started. How can they dip their toe in the water? What would be first steps? Yeah, I think the the first step is just say, hey, you know what? I'm gonna. St- carve out five minutes and I'm going to sit with the God who loves me and I'm going to make it easy because I don't have any agenda. I'm just going to sit there. And then when the thought comes up, release it. I mean, that's the easiest way I can describe it. The only way you fail is by just not trying. So just do it. And whatever happens, you got to sit, spend some time with the Lord. And so don't judge. That'd be the key thing. Do not judge what happened. Just do it. And if you commit to something over you know, one session probably isn't, you may not do anything other than realize how distracted you are, but just commit to it for a season and see if it works. I I wouldn't claim that every single Christian has to do centering prayer or that you're not a good Christian if you don't do it. I'm not making that claim at all, but I would say it legit transformed me in ways that I would not have been able to have predicted and, um, you know, and try it and it might just change your life too. That's what I would say to the listeners. That's great. That's great. I'll have a link to the book in the show notes. Thank you. Uh, and also you you went through some of the, I'll include in there some of the, the basic steps also in the show notes as a springboard to get people started and then they can go further with you. You also do some coaching in this. 
Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've just had a been a real, and this came out of the centering prayer too. I would not be doing coaching and mentoring, but I just, as I've become more available, started with my students. I mean, I just started doing way more mentoring and it was amazing to me because I thought I was going to lose my ministry. And instead I'm getting into richer, deeper conversations with people than I ever have. Part of that's because I've been vulnerable enough to talk about what some of the stuff I experienced, but it's, it's the centering prayers. Let me do that. I can, I feel good about my own skin. And so my coaching, mm. um, I have a heart for uh, pastors and, or spiritually minded, you know, people as well, but that people that want to go deep. And so I do what I call deep dive spirituality um, uh, coaching, or, you know, it's, it's not exactly spiritual direction. It's more like, it's more coaching, but I help folks um, root themselves deeply in Christ so that they can serve the Lord for the long haul, not just for short term. And so I, you know, I work with pastors to um, help them with their spiritual practices and uh, solve ministry challenges. And so I do, you know, that's why I coach around folks interested in that they can, the easiest way is deepdivespirituality.com. And you can see that the information on my website, but if anybody's interested, you know, just reach out to me. It'd be a privilege to serve you. Excellent. Thank you. Deepdivespirituality.com. Encourage you to go there. And uh, what a conversation, what a conversation. Thank you, Brian, for taking time with us. Oh, this is great, John. Thank you. And, you know, thanks for everybody for listening all the way to the end today. It's always a, it's always a joy. Dr. Brian Russell, again, professor of biblical studies and former dean at Asbury Theological Seminary. He's also a transformation coach for pastors and spiritually minded professionals, as he shared near the end of the interview. And now he's written several books, with his most recent being one we talked about there, Centering Prayer, with a subtitle, Sitting Quietly in God's Presence Can Change Your Life. And he's also a podcast host to Deep Dive Spirituality Conversations. Uh, I've got links to the book and to the podcast in the show notes. You can catch it there and go check them out. As a result of listening to our interview, I hope you're inspired to practice centering prayer. This conversation with Brian is just an introduction to that practice. I've been working on it and honestly with, with mixed results. But when I really set aside time to do it in quietness, it's refreshing. It's been good. His book goes into detail. Uh, I have read it. I'm going to read it again. Brian touched on journaling, and I really wanted to talk to him about that, but we just ran out of time, so I guess I'll have to have him come back. I was kind of intrigued by the journaling aspect. Let me know what you think about Centering Prayer. Just as you've heard about it, maybe go practice it a little bit. Have you tried it or something like that? That's not a formula. It's not a formula. It's that that meeting intimately with Jesus in silence, which is very hard for most of us to do. I look forward to having another guest, A.J. Sherrill. I've mentioned him before. As a follow-up to Brian, A.J. talks about contemplative prayer, and he teaches that too. I've quoted him before on this podcast, and I have him coming up uh, not too long from now on the show. He has some excellent stuff for us on that. This is fascinating and it's life-changing too. Well, my one big takeaway from the interview, I've been thinking about that. And what comes to mind is that sacred word that Brian talked about, which gets us back to Jesus when we're distracted. I think that's really key to making this whole thing of centering prayer work. I have a hard time staying focused. I admit that. (laughs) Maybe you do too, especially in silence. And I've used a short phrase as I've been practicing centering prayer. And I've used 
to know Christ, to know Christ. I've used that quite a bit. And I think that's because the Lord has me working on that in my life, to know Jesus. For Brian, it was just Jesus. You can't go wrong with that. I may even go simple and do that too. But that was my takeaway, that that sacred word to get us back into that communion with Jesus. Well, go ahead and share your thoughts about my interview with Brian and your experience with this thing called centering prayer or just about prayer. Share that with me. I love hearing from our listeners. I heard from Robin after last week's episode on friendship with God. She sent me an email. She was responding to my story about my best friend growing up. Uh, Hers was Debbie, and I thought this was really cool. You got to hear this. She said this, after I came to the Lord, I started sharing with her about Jesus. It finally got to the point where she told me to stop talking to her about him because she didn't want to hear any (laughs) more. I continued to pray for her. Nine years later, when Dan and I were in Montana, I got a call from Debbie. She wanted to find me because she had heard my dad had passed away and wanted to send condolences and say how much she loved him. But the main reason she wanted to find me was to say, you were right. (laughs) She had come to the Lord and wanted me to know. And Robin concludes her note to me. She says, hallelujah. (laughs) Well, we say hallelujah too. Maybe today's episode triggered something you'd like to share. Join the conversation. Just like some of our listeners have, I'm easy to reach, okay? Uh, You can reach me at john at freshfaith247.com, freshfaith247.com, or you can click the link in the show notes. We all need a place where we can know Christ together. This isn't just a solo thing. We talked about centering prayer today. Brian says he does centering prayer with his wife. He's taught centering prayer to groups of believers. The Christian life isn't meant to be done alone. Fresh Faith 24-7 could be the place for you to come to know Christ better and more deeply. It's not a church, but it's a community of believers who are desperate to know Jesus. And we do it together. Join our online community at freshfaith247.com. Freshfaith247.com. I look forward to welcoming you in. And don't forget to sign up for the Fresh Bread for Fresh Faith Devo on the website or through the link in the show notes. I'll shoot that out to you. Nice aroma of fresh bread in the mornings three times a week. As we close, one last thought. How's your prayer life? How's your prayer life? Would you be willing to give Centering Prayer a try? At Fresh Faith 24-7, we are a movement of believers, as I mentioned, desperate to know Jesus, and Centering Prayer is one way to know Jesus better. Next week, you'll meet a couple who has gone through a tragic experience in losing their son, but God showed up. I'll talk to them, and I'll talk to you next week.